0: morning. It's wonderful to be back in the house of the Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand together with me. This is the day the Lord had made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. I want to welcome all of you joining us from wherever you are joining us from various countries and various states and also locally here. Uh, we're so thankful that you've joined us and uh, I noticed that with the 8 o'clock service that some of you were Trying to let me know what countries you were calling from because I didn't know all the countries. So, those of you from England, from Canada, from Jamaica, from Curacao, from all those different countries that are joining us, we want to welcome you and glad that you are with us for a service this morning. It's a beautiful day in South Florida. This and so we're enjoying the beautiful time together in God's house. And the psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. So wherever you are. Joining us today, we welcome you and glad you're part of this service. Let's pray and let's invite him to do something very special for each and every one today. Our loving Father and our God, we thank you. Thank you for this day that you have made. There'll never be another day like today. And we give you thanks for who you are and what you mean to us. Thank you for your many benefits, God. Thank you for your daily blessings. Thank you for watching over us, for keeping us. Thank you for giving us eternal life. Thank you, Lord God, for your protection and for your provisions. Thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house as your people. Thank you for others to join us in worship. That we can worship you wherever we are. Worshiping you in spirit and in truth. We ask you, Lord, to do something special for each and every individual. Everyone that will participate in the service. Everyone that will watch this broadcast. We ask you, Lord God, that you would be with each one. That the Spirit of God will do the work of God in every heart and in every life. Bring changes. Bring in transformation. We give you thanks for what you're doing right now. And what you will continue to do. We ask you to have your way in this service. Holy Spirit, have your way. Let, Let Jesus Christ be lifted up. Let the name of the Lord be exalted. And may he be glorified. And we, your people, be edified. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's put our hands together and welcome the worship team as they come to lead us in our time of worship. Praise God.
1: Praise the Lord. Good morning. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good to see you all. We give God praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We give him glory this morning. Hallelujah. He is worthy to be praised, worthy to be lifted up, worthy to be exalted. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah and lift up our hands for the joy of the Lord is our strength is he your strength this morning
2: amen hallelujah oh yes
1: you for peace. We thank you for hope. We thank you that you are our source this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You are my
2: strength. Hallelujah. Strength like no
1: I need strength this morning.
2: You are my strength, strength like no other, strength like
3: morning church physical church and virtual church my mission here today is to pray and our organization has designated today their commission for racial justice silent prayer but we're not called to be silent we're called to cry out And I want to read to you something that happened. It was a pastor. It was Martin Niemöller, a German pastor during the time of the Nazi. He was a right-wing supporter, a nationalist. And then, God must have done something to his heart. He was silent most of the time, and this is what he wrote. They came first of the communists and I didn't speak up because I wasn't Communist. Then they came for up for the Jews, and I didn't speak up because I'm not a Jew. Then they came for the Trade Unionist, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Trade Unionist. Then they came for the Catholics, and I didn't speak up because I was a Protestant. Then they came for me, and by then That time, no one was left to speak up for me. He became a voice. He was even sentenced to the concentration camp for eight years because he started to speak up, but it was too late. Millions were already dead. We cannot be silent. We will pray and shout out. We will not be silent. We will pray loudly and call to God. For he promised in Luke 18 and verse 7, He will hear the cry of the afflicted who cry out to him day and night though he seem to take long. Let me let you understand where I'm coming from. My professional training is as a nurse, a registered nurse. And there are times when people have infection, boils and stuff that must be incised. They cut it, And they express the pus out. It stinks. It is offensive. It's rotten. But it has to come out for healing to take place. And I know many are offended, black, white, pink, and blue in our society. And they're saying, enough, enough. When will we move on? We cannot move on in peace until the pus is expunged all that has been hidden for hundreds of years all that has been concealed and not even reported and the pretenses yes squeezing out pus for healing stinks it's offensive it's not something we like and God is causing a shaking God is causing a mighty exposure And he will not stop because he's sovereign. We either believe the good book or not. He is sovereign and he's allowing all the wickedness and hidden secrets and the dark things that were done to be exposed so there can be forgiveness, there can be cleansing, otherwise the pus will continue inside and it will not heal. So would you join me in prayer today? We will not be silent. Martin Nimola found out too late to speak. Even though he spoke eventually and was sentenced to concentration camp. But he could have spoken earlier. But he felt it didn't affect him. Today, no matter where you are in your comfort zone. Whatever color you are. When one of God's children is afflicted. All of us. He said when one hurts, we should hurt. When one rejoices, we should rejoice. And we are thankful for our organization and our leader, Reverend Beck, who has started this commission and has a heart to see good done. But we will not be silent. We will cry out loudly. We'll be watchmen on the wall. We would shout out against injustice. We will shout out against oppression on unrighteousness. For that's what the Lord says. Cry out. So let us pray this morning. It begins with each of us. Father God, we thank you that you're sovereign. We thank you that you rule in the affairs of men. We thank you that you are a just God. And not only just and righteous. Your word says righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne. And a fire goes before your God. It burns up your enemies. It burns up unrighteousness. Because you're holy, you cannot compromise with evil, regardless of who the perpetrators are, black, white, brown, yellow, pink. God, you are just, and you have the same measure and the same weight for all people. Righteousness and holiness are your standard, and out of that comes justice and truth. And so today we thank you that you're God and Lord of all. Whether people choose to submit to your authority and to your holy laws, you are still sovereign and you reign in the affairs of men. You put one up and you take one down. You take the wicked to punish even people who are not as wicked as them. It is in your word, oh God. And we believe in the orthodoxy of the entire scriptures. Your word is holy and your word is true. Forgive us, forgive us the lies we have perpetrated. As people of God, sinners will sin, but the saints should live holy. Forgive us the lies we have read and told God. Forgive us, Lord, that we have been perpetrators of misjustice and racial inequality. Silently or loudly, actively or passively, forgive us, O Lord. We ask you to forgive the churches, the leaders, the shepherds who should care for all sheep who have been silent and allowed the enemy to wreak havoc upon your sheep because one may be gray or black or yellow or brown, but you love all your sheep, God. You created them all. We ask forgiveness of the pastors, for the religious leaders, Christian leaders who have not spoken truth we ask that you'd forgive this morning. For many have stood silently. Many are in disgust of the protest. All they can see or they smell is the pus. The rottenness of the pus that's coming out of the wounds of hundreds of years. The pus that has festered and it's offensive to their nose. It's offensive to their eyes. But God, the pus must come out. And today we ask you to forgive them for their impatience, for their insensitivity. Forgive the believers, not just whites, but even blacks who feel enough is enough. Enough is not enough, oh God, in your sight, till justice is rendered. And it is you that allow this shaking. We trust you that you will bring righteousness and justice. You will change hearts for your God and God alone, and only your spirit can change hearts. Only your spirit can. And you're at work, O oh God. Lord, forgive us the church and not praying, as you commanded in, in uh, Second Chronicles 7:14. Forgive us that we have been so caught up with everything political the news, and we have failed to pray and to cry out that you may forgive the sins and heal the land. Forgive us. You have allowed pestilence to come, and the pestilence has invaded high place and low place. Just as the Lord, the angel of death, went to Pharaoh's palace all the way to the jailhouse, the firstborn, God, you have allowed pestilence to come, and we have not seen the connection. We have not seen the connection, oh God, we have justified ourselves, we have been proud and arrogant, oh Lord God, forgive us, we stand in the gap today, we don't deserve anything good of you, but we ask for your mercy, mercy upon the nation. You say we should pray for the city where you have placed us, for in its peace and prosperity, we will have peace and prosperity. Today we pray for this land that we call home, United States of America, united. God, God, let there be true unity. Let there be true justice for all. Let there be true liberty for all, not just on paper, but in actuality. Turn the hearts, Lord, to do right. Begin with us, the people of God. We pray you'd heal our hearts. Heal the hate. Flush it out, God. Expunge the hate. Flush it out, God. Replace it with the fruit of the Spirit, love. Replace it with kindness, with peace. Replace it with joy in the Spirit. Oh, Lord, you said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples when you love one another. Further, your word says in Acts 17, out of one man, God made all men. God populated the universe. Therefore, we're brothers, regardless of the shade of our skin. We ask, oh Lord, that you'd heal the great divide. May the blood of Jesus, may the cross of Calvary truly bridge that gap, that span, that racist span, that hate span, and unite our hearts together. We pray you'd open the eyes of those who lead, spiritual leaders that must call the nation to repentance. We ask for boldness and courage that leaders would not fear losing their positions and their, Lord, their their associations, but they will speak truth according to the word of God. We pray for those who have been appointed and elected to serve the people to execute justice and judgment many of whom have been supporters of the injustice they have been accomplices to unrighteousness and injustice we ask that you touch hearts today and you'd bring repentance hear our cry O Lord not because we deserve but because you are merciful and gracious Just because you hate injustice and unrighteousness, turn the hearts of our rulers. We pray for the heart and soul of this nation. Oh Lord God, oh Lord God, have mercy upon this nation turn the hearts of the people back to you we pray for a great revival that has never been seen before begin with each of us where we are burn our hearts as souls our neighbors to see you change lives for only when our lives are truly changed can we practice true justice true righteousness and love for one another Lord God, we pray for your men servant today and for your servants who will share your word. Lord, to diverse audiences, we ask for your special anointing, for boldness to speak for the truth of God without holding back, for we're in the closing days of time and all Lord men need to be saved. We pray for every person who would hear the word of God today. All around the globe from different pulpits. Oh God, send forth a word that will save. Send forth a word that will heal. Send forth a word that will deliver and transform. And in its transformation and salvation, may you save our nation, oh God. Save those in, who are in authority. Because it's not your will that any should perish. But all should come to eternal life. Raise up wise counselors who would advise them wisely, God, and righteously. Lord, we pray for this pestilence that has plagued not only our land, but the earth. You know where it came from, and you know how to stop it. In your mercy, in your mercy, we cry out for mercy. Mercy, help God. Raise up your Daniel. Raise up your Joseph with an answer. Give wisdom, Lord, to those who research and who are seeking a cure. And oh God, hear our cry of mercy. Remember the poor God who doesn't have the means. Remember the families afflicted, not only here, but all over the world. We ask also that you would touch the hearts of the reckless. Touch the hearts of the non-compliant. Touch the hearts, God, of those who carelessly go around for their own pleasure, being infected and infecting others. We ask your Lord to stop them in their track. Hear our cry. Remember the families of this church and those who are watching us. Some have lost their loved ones this week. We pray for comfort for the morning. We pray for healing for those who are recovering from surgery. Lord, hear our cry for those who are sick with the virus, God. We ask you to touch families today that are afflicted. We pray for reversal in Jesus' name. Hear, oh God, and answer. Lord, remember those who are out of work and are in need. May you open a door for them that no one can shut. May you provide employment that will meet their needs. And Lord, would you touch the hearts of those who have that they may share with those who don't have. Father, we pray for families today that are in turmoil, marriages that are in the brink of breakup. so much, Lord, turmoil in the home, so many conflicts and anger and frustration. We ask you to touch marriages today. Marriages were ordained by your God. You know the stressors and the different factors that are affecting marriages. Touch marriages today. Save marriages, oh God, for your glory's sake. We pray and ask you to have mercy and to hear. And Lord, what we fail to ask today, may you not hold back or what we need according to your mercy. Bless those who are watching in virtual land. Bless those who are present here in the church today in their household. We thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness. We awaken to it every morning. And we just ask these mercies in the name of your son, Jesus. We invite everyone to agree and to say, Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. In Acts chapter 17 and in verse 25 and 26. It says in 25 he himself talking of God gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. And in 17 verse 26 he says from one man he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. From one man God created All the nations. In other words, everyone on earth is of one family. We came from one family. It doesn't matter the color of our skin. It doesn't matter our social standing or status. We are all from one family. And so we want to pray for the evangelical church. Because most of the evangelical church only consider two issues. The only two wrongs that they really see is abortion and homosexuality. And if it is not those two, then they really keep silent. When there is injustice, they will not speak out against injustice or racism but they will speak out about those other two. I want to educate the evangelical church today that you may know that God has created all men from one family. And so justice and righteousness for all people is what God is concerned about. And he is not partial to those who believe that the only two important issues facing our nation is abortion and homosexuality. I want to let you know today that God will hold you accountable if you think that those are the only two things that matter and ignore all other evils. God is against all evil, not some. And we don't pick and choose which one of them God should be against. We should be against all evil all the time. Praise God. As we welcome you this morning and glad that you have joined us. Uh, I do know that there are many join us from different countries and different states. And of course locally as well. And I want to say to you, those of you that are home, if you go to work or you go to the store, you could be in church. And I don't want you to use it any longer to hide in your home when you can be in the house of God. Because if you go to work and you go shopping, ain't no reason why you can't be in church. We are safer in church than you are shopping. And in many of you on your jobs. Because we do practice social distancing. And we do separate you. And we do have precautions. And we've taken all the care to make sure you're safe in the house of God. So I look forward to seeing you joining us now. And you won't be registering anymore because we're going to take it down from the site. So you won't be registering. There will be no need to register for next week or the following weeks. You will need to show up. And so I want to encourage you uh, that if you do any of this, we can understand that there are some people who have underlying conditions and need to stay home. And we want to encourage you to stay home. But I do know some of you that are healthy and well going to work and doing other things that have used as an excuse not to be in church. It's time to be in the house of God. You heard me clearly, yes, I did say that. So I want to encourage you to do that. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you because I got to tell you, you know, virtual church can't visit you. And I think you better need to recognize that very soon and very quickly. So this morning, I want to thank God for those of you that are here. We are glad that you came. We're glad that you're part of the service we're happy for those that are joining us. I don't know all the various countries you're joining us from, uh, but some people have been identifying. So if you send me the names of the countries, uh, maybe somebody could pick them up uh, and who's watching on the Facebook and tell me some of those and we'll, we'll hail you out. Uh, there were some from England this morning and they wanted me to know. From Canada, they wanted me to know. From Jamaica, they wanted me to know. And from other places, uh, they wanted me to know that they were watching as well and uh, so I'm not sure where you are from today for the eleven o'clock service, but for the eight o'clock service, we had several joining us from various places. Let me talk, have a passage of scripture that I want to read for you this morning from First Chronicles chapter 18. First Chronicles chapter 18. I want to read a passage of scripture. And uh, First Chronicles chapter 18, and I'm going to be using the NLT. I'm going to read from verse 1 to 6, and then 14 to 17. From verse 1 to 6, first of all, and then 14 to 17. And it reads thus. After this, David cheat, defeated and subdued the Philistines by conquering Gath and its surrounding towns. David also conquered the land of Moab, and the Moabites who were spared became David's subjects and paid him tribute money. David also destroyed the forces of Hadad Ezer, king of Zobah, as far as Hamath, when Hadad Ezer marched out to strengthen his control along the Euphrates River. David captured 1,000 chariots, 7,000 charioteers, and 20,000 foot soldiers. He crippled all the chariot horses, except enough for 100 chariots. When Arameans from Damascus arrived to help Hadad Ezer, David killed 22,000 of them. Then he placed several army garrisons in Damascus, the Aramean capital. And the Arameans became David's subject. And paid him tribute money. So the Lord made David victorious wherever he went. Let me say that again. So the Lord made David victorious wherever he went. And then going down to verse 14. So David reigned over all Israel and did what was just and right for all his people. Job son of Zeruah was commander of the army. Jehoshaphat son of Ahilod was a royal historian. Zadok son of Ahitob and Ahimelech son of Abiathar were the priests. Zeruiah was the court secretary. Benaniah son of Jehodah was captain of the king's bodyguard. And David's sons served as the king's chief assistants. Hearing it, God's holy word. I want to make a couple of announcements and to remind you this morning. I want to remind you that our children's ministry program, the Awana for Children, takes their summer break. They pick Their last service, the last Zoom ministry, was last Wednesday. And so they'll be breaking and we'll let you know when they will resume. And then also the youth Awana. Last Thursday was their last program until they resume again after their summer break. So those two programs have taken a summer break. Of course, this year, unfortunately, because of COVID-19, we won't have camp. Uh, we're not going to any camp or anything like that. Things have been reduced and limited, or activities And so I'm sure you see and understand why all these various things. However, our Bible study, online Bible study, continues every Tuesday at 7.15 p.m. And also on Tuesday morning, we have our 10 o'clock prayer. You can join the prayer line at 10 a.m. every Tuesday morning. And then on Tuesday evening, you can join the Bible study at 7.15. We're in the book of Ruth. We are... Yeah, getting into an interesting aspect of Ruth. We are going to be doing relationships. We're going to be talking about marriages. And I'm going to take the opportunity when I'm in the book of Ruth to deal with relationships, premarital relationships, and also marital relationships. So Ruth is, even though it's only four chapters, it's going to go for several weeks because I'm going to expand on it and use it as an opportunity to talk about marriages and relationships Because especially at this time when we are going through a lot of situations because of the stress that is occurring. And so if you have a friend that needs to know and have some questions, uh, we're going to ask you, you can also put your questions on and I will also be able to answer them. So in the comment section, you could put your questions and we'll be able to answer them on the Bible study time. So it's an opportunity for you to put your questions out and I'll have somebody record them for me. And then we'll be able to address some of those questions. So we look forward to you uh, joining us on Tuesdays for both programs. And then also on Friday night is our prayer line at 8 p.m. We encourage you to join the prayer line. Uh, we make a lot of announcements there. We talk about different things that are happening. And uh, an opportunity for you to ask questions also. at uh, The prayer line, we, we take a moment at the end for you to ask those questions. So it's a great opportunity for you to join us on the prayer line also on Friday at 8 PM. If you have any problems connecting with anything, you could call the church office and they will be able to help you to connect. Um, And so if you are in a situation where you are needy and you need some help, uh, we wanna know about that too. And if we can help you, we wanna help you. So talking to our members. And so we want you to know that you can always call the church office. We are here every day. We're here, the church office is open uh, from 8.30 to 5. We're here each day, Monday to Friday. And so you can call us and uh, we'll be helping you in whatever way we can. All right. Those are the announcements. It's going to take a moment for you to uh, uh, greet those that are in the center with you. Take a look around and wave at somebody. And I hope you can recognize them behind the mask. Is it Brother May's birthday today? All right, happy birthday, Brother May. Let's give him a big hand. God bless you. I pray special birthday blessings on you, and uh, may you be blessed indeed. And if anybody else is having birthday out there, we want to bless you in the name of the Lord. And uh, we pray that you will enjoy your day in spite of COVID. Why don't you have a nice time in the presence of the Lord? (laughs) Amen. And enjoy your day. Amen? Praise God. God is good, isn't he? And all the time, God is good. All right, uh, we're going to get to the Word of God. And uh, uh, we've been looking at David and we've been studying David. um, And uh, you know that he is very important, Uh, he's one of the key persons in the Old Testament. Uh, David was one of the greatest kings of all the kings in the Old Testament. David was a great king. And uh, we are going to continue to talk about him. And so let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be our teacher and our guide to help us and what we can learn from this great man of God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the life of David and we thank you that, We can learn from him. He was not perfect, but he was a man of God's own heart. And so today, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. May we hear from you. May you do the work in our hearts and in our lives that only you can do. And we give her the praise and we give her the glory and we give her the honor. But we ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people say, Amen, Amen, Amen. You know, David's road to the throne, the last time we saw him, he was being crowned king over all Israel. But as we looked at his early journey, we realized that he was anointed by God through the prophet Samuel, To be king over all Israel when he was but a youth. And it took him many years and through many trials and many difficulties before he he got to the throne. It was three different anointings before David was crowned king over all of Israel. The road was not easy. And we learned that in spite of the fact that you're in the will of God and in the plan of God and in the purposes of God, things are not always smooth. Just because God is on your side and just because you are in God's will and in God's purpose and plan, it doesn't mean that everything is going to go rosy. There are going to be bumps in the road. And those bumps are designed by God. Can you imagine? The Bible says we're appointed unto persecution. There's a place in Thessalonica, Thessalonica, that tells us that. We're appointed unto persecution. Because God is more concerned about building our character than making us comfortable. Well, David's character was indeed built for the position over the many years that it took him. And in all through those times, David... Put God first. And he never sought vengeance or retaliation against Saul. In spite of the fact that Saul tried to kill him. He began to reign over one tribe at first. His own tribe, the tribe of Judah. He reigned for seven years over that tribe from Hebron. And ultimately, the other ten tribes, because the tribe of Judah included Benjamin, And the other ten tribes voluntarily, after many years, came and presented themselves and said, We know that God had caused you to be ruler over all of Israel. We are now ready to be your subjects. And that was when he was anointed. He was anointed the third time. And now that David was made king over all of Israel, he reigned over them for 33 years. For a total of 40 years reigning as king. Now David's accomplishment as Israel's ruler is unmatched. He is a type of Christ who will rule as God's coming king. His personal qualities and faith provide examples for believers of all ages. I want to begin to look at David's military accomplishment because it is significant. And it has an impact on what we are going to be talking about today. David's military rule was very strong and aggressive. And his accomplishments were unparalleled. Other men of history have demonstrated military and administrative capacity. But David overshadows them by the breadth and depth of his ability. And to cap it all, David was one of God's hall of faith men. David was a man of great faith. And so we look at David's military accomplishment because it was significant to the life of the people of Israel. Once he became king, he started to establish the kingdom through a series of battles. He, if you will recall, all the way going back to the time of the judges. If you remember that in the early years of the people who had come to the promised land when the judges were there. They were always being harassed by the Philistines. The Philistine nation was always harassing the children of Israel. Well i want to tell you that in the time of David when he became king. David threw two battles with the Philistines. subdued them completely. And the Philistines became subjected to David and the whole of Israel. In so much that they never bothered them again. In fact, if you will recall, the Bible told us that one of the things about the Philistines, they were very, very good at metal work. And so we are told that in Israel at one particular time, only Jonathan and King Saul had swords that were sharpened. Because nobody else had their sword sharpened. Because the only way to get your sword sharpened would have to go to the Philistines. And they did not want to go down to the enemy's camp. And so because of that, they, were, they didn't have the proper military equipment many times. But through the victories of David, because he won victory over the Philistines, He now had at his disposal all the army, all the military might that he needed. The iron work was now in his control. And so Israel now had the right equipment. Not only were their weaponry improved because the Philistines were subjected. But they also had very skilled, a very skilled free labor force. Because whenever David conquered territories, all of those individuals became subjects and he used them for different things in his kingdom. And one of the things that David did was he made sure that he, he captured countries surrounding Israel. And he would go out and he would advance around these surrounding countries that are adjacent to Israel. And he conquered all of those And made them his own. And so that sort of insulated him. A protection from the enemy. Because to get to Israel. They had to come through these first. And so that was part of David's military strategy. That was very very effective. We saw in the passage that I just read. That David got victory not only over the Philistine. But also over the Moabites and the Edomites. And so what we find is that David had moved Israel out of of the the sort of a stone age because without the metal work, they were in like a stone age. But now that they had the metal work and the skills, it advanced them militarily. And regarding government, as King David ruled over the nation, one of the first things that David did was to try to centralize the government. He took this very step by deciding where he was going to select for his capital. And David chose Jerusalem to be the capital of the nation. The only problem is Jerusalem at the time was being occupied by a group of people called the Jebusites. And Jerusalem was well protected because they had a Wall, a significant high wall around them, and they were very—they were fortified by this wall. And so, the Jebusites had a little slogan, and their slogan was, "Even the lame and the blind can defend us from our enemy. We are so protected." And so, when David was going to try to invade the city of Jerusalem to take it as his capital, they felt so secure. They felt that they were well protected and it would not be, they would be so protected by this wall. But David and his men were so skilled and they invaded Jerusalem and they took the city and they made it their capital. Now what is interesting about that is that years have passed and when Israel became a nation, the capital was not Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The capital was Tel Aviv. But in 19, 2019, Jerusalem again became the capital of Israel. And did you know that that was predicted all the way back in the days of Moses? In Exodus, all the way back in, Mo, in Deuteronomy, rather, in Deuteronomy, back there in Deuteronomy 12 and verse 5. You find that it was predicted that where God would... Here's what it says. The place the Lord your God will choose from among all your tribes to put his name there for his dwelling. Where did Solomon build the, the temple? In Jerusalem. And where was God put his name? In the dwelling in Jerusalem. And that was predicted all the way back in Deuteronomy in the time of Moses i got to tell you something. The fact that Jerusalem is now back as the capital of Israel is an indication to us that we are getting close to the closing times again. God is restoring what he had said in all the way back in the days of Moses. And so through David, God selected a city that was foretold in the law. David's genius for organization showed itself not only in, his, in the religious organization, but also in civil areas. And David, we are told, would set up a governor over each of the 12 tribes. And so his genius and commitment to the service of God, and, his, and, and was, he was enriched by God's spirit, it took Israel into a place of glory for a period of time. So here in a nutshell, what David did for Israel because of his military might. Because of the Lord being with him. It says, David moved the government from judges to establish a monarchy. He moved Israel from anarchy to a strong central government. He moved Israel from a loose confederation of tribes to a unified nation. He moved them from poverty and bronze age to an age of iron economy and to wealth. It would be like moving them to a Silicon Valley age today. It moved them from being subject people to being conquerors. Israel were no longer subjected like they were in the days of the judges. And David also moved from a decentralized worship to a centralized worship. Before David, there was worship in the north and there was worship in the south and some people would worship even in between. But under David, he centralized the worship of God in Jerusalem. Not just for a portion of the people, but for all the nation. And so my friend, what was the secret of David's success? You know, whenever someone is successful, everybody wants to know what is their secret. If a stockbroker is very successful today, and he becomes a guru, People want to listen to him. People want to hear what he's thinking. People want to know what stocks he's buying. People want to know what stocks we should buy from him. And they want to understand how to do it. And so whoever is successful, people want to know why it is and how can I be as successful. Well, let me tell you, the Bible tells us the secret of David's success. It tells us in 1 Chronicles chapter 18 that we just read. It also tells us in Second Samuel chapter 8, verses 6 and 14. And here is what it says. The Lord gave David victory wherever he went. David's secret of success was the Lord God. My friend, I want you to understand today that your secret of success and my secret of success shall be the Lord God. Can you give him praise this morning for that? There is only one true source of success, and that is the Lord God, and that's the one that David relied on, and that's who David depended on. And if you study the life of David, you'll always notice that David is inquiring of the Lord. He keeps on inquiring of God, and you know, whenever he was where he when after the victory in Ziklag. And even before that, he said, shall I pursue the enemy? And God says, yes, you shall pursue them. He didn't stop there. He says, will I be victorious over them? And God says, you will be victorious over them. You'll capture all. When David was ready to go to decide what city he should go to first, he asked God, inquired of God, which city shall I go to first? And every time David is going to make a move, there's a tendency in him to ask God for direction. You know the Bible says, "In all your ways, what? Acknowledge him and what He's promised to do, direct your path. We can learn from David. But you know, David, we can see, was a very successful man because God made him successful. But you know, there, even though David was successful, he is just like us. He makes mistakes. He was human, and he made mistakes. And we can make mistakes too. But what I like is that we can learn from other people's mistakes. To avoid making those same mistakes. There are two mistakes that I want to show you that David made this morning. That I want us to make sure that we avoid. The first one is related to when David had to bring up the ark of God to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. If you remember, the ark of the Lord was always considered the presence of God. And wherever the ark was, it was said the presence of God was there. When the people were going to battle and the ark would arrive, the people would rejoice and be glad because they said the ark of the Lord has come. Means the presence of God is with us. Because you see, they didn't know the scripture then, but we know it now. If the Lord If God is on your side, who can be against you? See, they didn't have that scripture then, but they knew the same concept. And so the the presence of God for them was the ark of the Lord. Isn't it wonderful that today we don't depend on an ark? Isn't it wonderful today we don't wait for where the ark is? Isn't it wonderful today that wherever you go and I go, the presence of the Lord is because he lives within us. Oh, hallelujah. What a wonderful thing today to know that. That we don't have to wait for an ark to come into a presence. But wherever we go, the presence of the Lord is in this place. Oh, hallelujah. When you arrive at your workplace, the presence of the Lord has arrived. When you arrive home the presence of the Lord has arrived. When you get into your car, the presence of the Lord is there. What a great thing. Come on, let's give him praise for that this morning. That's an awesome change. That's a blessing. That's a big benefit. The Bible says, David says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And he is with us all the time. And then he promised Never to leave us, nor forsake us. Oh, what a privileged people we are. What a privileged people we are. We are privileged people. And we need to rejoice and recognize and not let the enemy remind us of the wrong things. But when the devil tries to come with wrong, negative things, let's remind him of who we are. That we have the presence of God. Hallelujah. In us, with us, all the time. Praise God. So when David was going to bring up the ark from Jerusalem, they decided that they were going to build a new cart. To put the ark in and to bring it up to Jerusalem. And so they built this new cart and they put the ark in the cart. And as they were traveling, there was a man who was in front of the the, the animals that were pulling the cart. And there was a man behind the cart. And as they were going. It's a very hilly country. As they were going. The animal stumbled. And the ark looked like it would have fallen out of the cart. And Uzzah reached out his hand. To stabilize the ark. Because who would want the ark of God to fall on the ground? And as he touched the ark of God. Immediately he fell dead. Now you can imagine. Everything stopped. The cart's not moving. Everybody that was rejoicing going. Stopped singing. There is dead silence. And everybody's wondering what do we do. And how do we move from here? Because this man touched the ark and he dropped dead. And they realized that they were close to a house. And they said, we're not going to take it any further. Let's take it over to that person's house. And they moved it. We don't know how. The Bible didn't tell us that. They moved it to the house of Obed-Edom. And the Bible says, as soon as the ark was in the house of Obed-Edom, everything for Obed-Edom became, became prosperous, became successful. Obed-Edom started to experience success after success after success. So much so that the word spread to David and to everybody that Obed-Edom was being blessed by God. Why? Because the presence of the ark was in his house. Oh, Hallelujah. What does I say about you and I this morning with the spirit of God in us? We should be blessed. We are blessed people. Did you know that? We're a blessed people. We're not a cursed people. We're a blessed people. Come on. Somebody says I am blessed. We're a blessed people. And so obed Edom's house became blessed. And when they heard about it. David heard about it and says, we can't let it, we need a blessing. We need a blessing in Jerusalem. We got to get it there. You see, the problem is David finally realized what went wrong. The problem is that God had instituted how the ark should be moved. And from the time that God Gave Moses instruction to build the ark. He told them how it should be moved. The ark was designed with rings on the sides. With with a pole into each side. And the ark was only to be moved. By the Levites carrying it over their shoulders. By putting the post on their shoulders. And walking with the ark. You see, the problem is, when you don't do things God's way, we're going to get into problem. You see, my friend, doing things God's way, whether you like it or not, is the only right thing to do. Let me say that to you again. Doing things God's way, whether you like it or not, is the only right thing to do. Let me give you some example. For instance, the Bible says in Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all other things that will be added unto you. The Bible was talking before, they were talking about what you eat and what you drink and what you wear. It was talking about provision. It says if you seek first the kingdom of God, what does that mean? The rule of God over your life. If you seek first the rule of God over your life, all your other needs will be met. But you know what some people do? They go after the other needs first, rather than seeking God's rule over their lives first. And if you do it any other way than that, guess what's going to happen? You're not going to experience success. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what your, your thoughts are. The only way to really experience true success is to do things the way God said it should be done. So my friends. I want to say to you that are there that are here this morning. And those watching us. That if you have not yet made Christ the rule over your life first if you do not have him as the center of your life, if you have not placed him as the Lord of your life first, then it doesn't no matter what else you're trying to gain, you're going to have a problem. You're going to have difficult, you're going to have trials. You can't, you're going to find that your life is somehow not made. It's not working the way it's supposed to work because he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which means Right living when we have those first then everything else will be added unto us now here's another example the bible says in matthew 6:15 if you do not forgive others your heavenly father will not forgive you you see you 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 may want you 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 everybody so many of us want to be forgiven by god but if you have in your heart someone that you have not forgiven If there's someone that you still have not forgiven, I want you to know that the Bible says that you are not going to receive forgiveness until you have forgiven that person. That is the reason why the Bible says if someone comes to the altar with their gift, And they remember that they have something against somebody, or they know that somebody has something against them, let them go first and reconcile with a person and then come back and offer their gift. Because you see, God will not forgive us until we have forgiven others first. And there's no way around it, there is no way of twisting the word of God and make it different. You're just not, and so we can be in a false sense. That I am forgiven if I have not forgiven others. Let me give you another case. The Bible says in Luke 6.38, give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. And with the same measure that you use to give, it shall be measured back to you. Well, I want to tell you this morning. That you see, the Bible says, give and it shall be given to you. The it is not money all the time. Everybody thinks you only think of it and money. No, no. The it is anything that you give. If you, need, if you give compassion, guess what you're going to get back? Compassion. You give mercy, you're going to get back mercy. You give love, you get back love. You give kindness, you're going to get back kindness. And the thing about it, you're going to get it back in the measure with which you give. So what do you need this morning? That's what you have to first give. Whatever your need is that you have first, you give that first. And then it shall be given to you. And I like what God says, men shall give it. Because you see, we don't have angels visiting us every day. But we have a lot of people around us. And God says he's going to use people around you to put it to give into your bosom to do it for you. And then one final one. The Bible says, bring all your tithes and offerings to the storehouse and prove me now herewith. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you won't have room to contain it. You can't get around that. We either do it God's way and experience God's blessing. Or if we don't follow God's way, we're not going to experience what he says. I can't receive more blessing than I have room to contain if I have not followed the first part of bringing the tithes and offering into the storehouse. I, it doesn't work. And so we need to understand doing things God's way, whether we like it or not, is the only right thing to do. So this morning, we can learn from David. You see, eventually what David did, we learned, is that David realized the error of his ways. And this time, they did it right. They got the Levites. They got the poles and they put it into the ark. And the Levites moved the ark to Jerusalem. And there was rejoicing. And there was celebration. And there was Joy when you do it God's way. We can learn from David. He made that mistake. Don't make that same mistake, my friend. And then the second thing that we find where David made an error is found in 1 Chronicles chapter 22. And the same story is found in 2 Samuel chapter 24, both in verse 1. They seem contradictory at first. So let me read them for you and then explain them because they're not contradictory as they seem. In 1 Chronicles chapter 22 and verse 1 it says, Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census of Israel. In 2 Samuel chapter 24 and verse 1 it says, Again the anger of the Lord burned against Israel. And he, God, incited David against them saying, go and take a census of Israel and Judah. And on one hand, it would look like Satan is the one doing it. And on the other one, it would seem as if God is doing it. Well, the fact of the matter is that both statements are correct. They're both involved in doing it. How is that? In other words, God has allowed Satan to incite David To do it. Because you see. You remember how God allowed Satan to afflict Job. He gave him permission. Well you see. God does that right here. What you always have to remember. Is in sovereignty. God's ultimate authority. Extends even to the working of Satan. In other words my friend. The devil can't touch you unless God allows him to do it. You got to remember that. He can't touch you without permission from God. You got to understand that always remember in life. It doesn't matter what you see happening in the country. It doesn't matter what you see happening in the world. And even now with COVID-19, that's affecting the entire world. There's only two things related to COVID-19 and God. Now we don't, understand, we don't know why, we, we can't know why, but we know for fact Either God has decreed it, or God has allowed it. See, there's only two things, you know, because God is sovereign, not over some things, but God is in control of what? Everything. There is nothing that is not under God's control. And God is not in control sometimes, and then other times He's not in control. Oh no, God is in absolute control at all times. He's sovereign over everything. He either decrees something or he allows something. And in this particular case, God allowed Satan to incite David because guess what? Both scripture says it was against Israel. Both scripture says it's against Israel because that was the main point. God wanted to punish the nation because of their sin. And so he, in, he allowed the enemy to incite David. Now let me give you another scripture that really confirms that even more. Some of you may remember that there is a passage in the Bible that talks about the days when God was having a conference in heaven. And he said, who shall, ins- who shall go and cause Ahab to go into battle? And the Bible says, and one person suggests this, and another suggests that, and another suggests that. And then the Bible says, a, a spirit says, a lying spirit says, I will go. And God says, what you shall do? He says, I shall go and cause Ahab prophets to lie to him. You know what the Bible says? And God says, yes, you go, you will succeed. See, God gave permission to that line, spirit to go. Because you see. God is still fulfilling his purpose. Because he wanted to wipe out Ahab. And he was going to wipe out Ahab and his all descendants. And God can use any means he wants. So we got to always remember. The Bible says in Psalm. That the Lord does as he pleases. He is God. And we always have to remember that. And sometimes as human beings, we try to reason. And we try to get to bring God down to our level of reasoning. And we try to bring God down to how we think of things. And how we understand things. But he's not that level. He says, my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. God is God. And never forget that God is in control of everything. So David went out. And he numbered, he sent Joab to count the number of soldiers he had. So what's wrong with that? What's wrong with a census? The problem with that is that David had been winning battles. And we just read, I told you, the Lord made David victorious wherever he went. So why is David now counting the number of soldiers he has? You see, David is trying to establish the strength of his army. David is now trying to determine, you know, do I have enough men? Do I need to know how many men I have just in case a certain army come against me? I can know how to divide them and how many that I have and how I can win the battle. What does that say about David? It says about David that David was moving away from relying on God and relying more on his military capabilities. And once you begin to not rely on God and begin to rely more on other things, you get a problem with God. Because my friend, remember, God is our only source of success. Now, I want to give you, an, I give you a, 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 an, an illustration. In 2 Chronicles chapter 14, we are told about a king by the name of Asa. He's the king of Judah. When Asa was early in his early years when he came to be king an army the Ethiopians with a million soldiers came against Asa. And Asa knew that there was no way he could win. But you know what the Bible says? Listen to what the Bible says. Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, listen to his prayer. Lord There is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name, we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. What a prayer, eh? And what does the Bible say after that? So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians. It did not say so Asa defeated the Ethiopians. It says so the Lord defeated the Ethiopians. Listen to what it continues. It says so the Lord defeated the Ethiopians in the presence of Asa. And the army of Judah and the enemy fled. And listen to it. Continue. They were destroyed by the Lord and his army. And the army of Judah carried off a great amount of plunder. So the victory was done by God. My friend, the battle is the Lord's. Can anybody rejoice about that this morning? The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. You and I need to rely on God. And Asa cried out to God and relied on God. And God gave him the victory. The Bible says the Lord and his army won the battle. And all Asa and his people had to do was to come out and gather the spoils. They got the blessings of the spoils because he cried out and relied on God. Well, 30 plus years later. Asa is still ruling. Another army came against him. What do you think Asa did? This time Asa sent money to go hire another king to come and help him fight the battle. God sent a prophet to him. Listen to what the prophet said. The prophet Hanani He came to Asa and he says, because you have put your trust in the king of Aram, instead of the Lord your God, you miss your chance to destroy the army. Don't you remember what happened to the Ethiopians and the Libyans and their vast army and with all their chariots and their charioteers? At that time, you relied on the Lord and he handed them over to you. The eyes of the Lord search the, all, the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. What a fool you have been. From now on, you will be at war. You know, my friend, here's the thing about that. you know people still make that same mistake today? You see, Asa, when he just became king, he didn't have much. He didn't have a lot. So he relied on God. Do you know how many people when they didn't have anything, when they were without much things, and they were struggling in the beginning, how they heavily depended on God and relied on God. But as the years passed, they were able to buy a nice home. They were able to increase their, their reserves. Their 401k was doing better, and their 403kb was doing better, and, and their finances were in a better shape. And, and so now, instead of relying on God, they began to rely on their resources that they have accumulated. Because now, you see, I don't need God as much. What a big mistake. Because you see the 403B and the 401K, (laughs) he can blow it away in a minute. The economy, the bottom can drop out of the economy and what you thought was stable and secure and what you thought you had, your house value has deteriorated to nothing and all your equity in it is wiped out and all your value that you had in the 401k because remember, it's only book value. It is worth nothing until you cash it. It just keeps coming down like this and it can be gone overnight. Just like that. My friend, that is why we cannot but rely on God. We must rely on God. David made the mistake of trusting and thinking that his military might now would be able to help him. But his source of victory was still God. Do not make the mistake, my friend. Do not make the mistake to believe that because you're in a better situation now, you can rely on other things. There are some people that are relying on their career. There are some people that are relying on their education. There are some people that are relying on certain family members. There are certain people that are relying on their bank account. There are certain people, people relying on all kinds of things. Some people are relying on their children. It doesn't matter you want, I want you to know this morning and this afternoon, the person that you need to rely on is God. Because he must be your only source of victory. Anytime we rely on anything else, we are prone for failure. So this afternoon, I want to ask somebody out there, who are you relying on? Where are you putting your reliance today? Are you relying on something, someone other than God? Are you relying on something other than God? Have you made God the center of your life? Have you made him the rule of your life? If you've never made him the rule of your life, if you're an unbeliever and you've never done so, I want to encourage you today to make God the ruler of your life. And you do so, you come to him through Jesus Christ, by receiving Christ as your Savior. You begin that process by first receiving Christ as your Savior. Maybe you're a backslider, you have drifting away from God, and you thought that you could rely on other things. Now you're a little more comfortable and you don't need God as much as anymore. You don't pray as much anymore. You don't read your Bible as much anymore. There were years going back when you really read your Bible, when you really prayed, because you're so dependent on God, and you could Move unless God did something for you, but you've accumulated stuff. And now you think I don't have to pray as much. I don't have to spend much much time in the in the Word anymore because you see, I'm I'm good, I'm good now. You don't attend church very often anymore either. You think that oh, you know, and it's not because of COVID, it never used to come before, anyhow. And so, the point of the matter is that you're always relying on something else other than God. Can I tell you that's a danger, my friend? You're walking a dangerous ground. And David learned the hard way because the Bible says after he had come, after Job had come back with the number of counting them, David's hearts pricked him and he realized he had sinned against God. And God sent the prophet to tell him, You're going to be punished. Pick which one of the three punishment that you want me to give you. we got to rely on God. He is our source. Never look to anything else. Stand with me. You are my strength. Strength like no other Strength like no other Reaches to me You are my hope You are my hope Hope like no other Hope like no other Reaches to me You are my peace. You are my peace. Peace like no other. Peace like no other reaches to me in the fullness of your grace in the power of your name he lifts me up he lifts me up In the fullness of Your grace, in the power of Your name, You lift me up. Lift me up. You are my strength. Oh yes. Strength like no other. Strength like no other. Reaches to me. Tell him you are his hope this morning. You are my hope. Praise God. Hope like no other. If you need hope this morning Hope like no other Reaches to me Reaches to me In the fullness In the fullness of your grace In the power of your name You lift me up Lift me up in the fullness of Your grace, in the power of Your name. You lift me up. You lift me up. You are my peace. For my peace. Hallelujah. Peace like no other. Peace like no other. Reaches to me. I thank you, Lord. That as we rely on you, you are our strength, our hope, our peace, our helper, our provider, our protector, our defender. You are everything to us, oh God. Lift your hands to him and say, Lord, I'm relying on you. I'm relying on you God. I'm not looking to the right. Nor to the left. But my eyes are fixed. On you God. Thank you Lord. That you are there. Thank you that you have promised. To never leave us. Nor forsake us. And So even now. Those of you. Wherever you are out there. And virtual land, you want to raise your hand to the Lord and tell him I'm relying on you. Let him know you're not relying on your bank account. You're not relying on your education. You're not relying on your family name. You're not relying on your status at your job. You're not relying on your children. You're not relying on your parents. You're relying on Jehovah God. Hallelujah. 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 You can never go wrong. When you rely on God. So my friend. Rely on God. Don't be fooled by the enemy. Don't be distracted and be fooled to think that your confidence comes from somewhere else. The word of God says every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. The word of God says no man can receive anything except it be given to him from above. Did you hear that? No man can receive anything except it be given to Him from above. We need to rely on God. That's why you need God in your life. That's why you need to walk with Him and live for Him. Because we need Him. Not sometimes, but all the time. All the time. And thank God, he made it possible for him to be with us all the time by putting his spirit in us. And so wherever we are, the presence of God is there. Hallelujah. I want to pray blessings on you now. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you. And give you his peace. As together we say. Surely. Goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in the name of the Lord.